so good to uh, see each and every one of you here tonight. Uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, I like that song, Come on, soul, you know, don't whip out on me. Uh, it's time to praise the Lord. That's my translation. You know, sometimes we, we just wimp out, you know. Uh, we're looking more at the circumstances, the, uh, the situations. You know, we're looking more at the things that we cannot do instead of looking at God, instead of looking at the Word. You know, it's good to see how Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. Why? He's the one that gives you the strength. And so uh, how wonderful it is to know that. Let me uh, say that I uh, left my smart device at home, so I think that's a good thing. So I don't have the, um, the updates or the, um, the announcements, as we would call them. But if you go by the um, info booth, I'm sure they'll give you information on everything that's happening. One of the things I know that we should pray for is the Young Adults Conference coming up. What a, what a great privilege, what a great opportunity is going to be for us as a church uh, to have a, a gathering of young adults from as far as Maine, I think it is, as far as south as Puerto Rico. Uh, I think there's over 200 uh, people signed up to come. And so some of you are going to be here, some of you are going to be serving. Don't miss out on it, okay? What I mean by that is we can all be praying. So wherever you are, pray. Uh, I think it's going to be special. It's one of the first that I know that happens in this area. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, this week, we have a group of our family that's going to be going out to Kenya, uh, Africa, for a missions trip. And how wonderful that is. You know, our pastor, Pastor Zach, his son, Levi, they're already on their way there. And so be in prayer for them. Be in prayer for uh, uh, the, uh, the missionary endeavor. I mean, you know, to have a, a grandson, nine years old, already doing his first missions trip, uh, that's very exciting to have grandson that... They've served in VBS, you know. Um, it's, it's an amazing thing to serve the Lord. Uh, so having said that, let's stand to our feet. Let's read verse uh, 9 here in Psalm 34. And then we're, we're going to dive into uh, the teaching tonight. If you could read it out loud with me, that would be great. Verse 9, O fear the Lord, you his saints, there is no want to those who fear him. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your plans. Uh, Lord, I totally come before you tonight and ask you to please fill me with your Holy Spirit. So as we look at your word, it would be what you want us to see. It would be what you want us to hear. Uh, Lord, we, we pray for everyone here, those that are next to us right now, those that are behind us, those that are in front of us. Uh, what a privilege, Lord, to be in a room where so many of us know so many here, and there's history, there's memories. Uh, there's experiences that you've allowed us to share together. 
And there's people in this room that, Lord, they're kind of new. They're, they're new to this church family. They're new to uh, a relationship with you, the living God. And, uh, Lord, we pray for them. We pray for one another. Lord, thank you that we can pray for our pastor, uh, his son. Uh, Lord, those that are going ahead to Kenya, to Africa, Lord, be with them. Surround them with your angels. Fill them with your spirit. Use them in a very mighty mightily way, Lord, powerful way, that you will be glorified, Lord. May we here be praying, Lord, whether it be morning, uh, noon, night, you would just put it in our mind, in our heart. Yeah, pray for the team in Africa, Lord. Bless them, use them, Lord. Uh, we pray for the Young Adults Conference. We pray that you would be preparing the hearts of those that would come to receive be with those that will come to teach, to serve, uh, the worship, Lord, the food. Uh, Lord, those that are serving behind the scenes, bless, anoint, fill with the Holy Spirit. We pray for Sunday's teaching the word. Next Wednesday, while our pastor's out, Lord, speak to the flock and thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you did in the pastors and the elders, the deacons, the, the wives, the families, this a week as it started, we were able to get away to pray, to seek you. Thank you for meeting us there. Pray for Don McClure, for Gene. Be with them, Lord. And we pray for the sick. We pray for those that need your healing touch, Lord. You know everyone. You know who they are. And we pray for them, Lord. We, we thank you that we know you've been hearing our prayers. We pray you would continue to bring glory to your name. God, we pray, thanking you, praising you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Those that agree, say amen. amen. You may be seated. Uh, this morning at God's Way Radio, the theme that was on my heart is Want Wednesday. Want Wednesday. Uh, what on this Wednesday do you want? You know, when you think, when you look at yourself in the mirror, when you... Uh, evaluate your schedule. What is it that you really want? Here, uh, Psalm 39, it's clear that uh, the psalmist is speaking about the people that reverence the Lord, the people that love the Lord. It tells us there is no want. There is no want for, for, for them. And it would be good to, in a sense, if we were able to, to look at that, that word there, want. What does that mean when you think about the word want? Uh, what comes to your mind? What, what comes to your heart? Psalm 34, uh, verse 9 there, uh, the word want is a word that means need. Is a word that speaks about poverty. You could look at this verse, verse 9, it says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. It's like a, an invitation. It's a worship. It, it's, a, it's a declaration. Fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no poverty for those that fear him. The word speaks about need. What is it that you need? There's things that we want, but what about what we really need tonight? If you, if you did some thinking, some evaluating, what is it that you really need in your life? That word want means need, poverty, lack. What is it that you lack? Um, it speaks about deficiency. What is it that you are 
deficient in? What is it that you're lacking in? And I think with you tonight, uh, how many people really know what they're lacking today? You know, we go after this, we go after that, we set this goal, we set that goal, and perhaps could it be that in the meantime, those areas that God is trying to get our attention, those areas that God is trying to strengthen us, we're giving no attention, no recognition to that because we are, we're going after what we're going after. Again, verse 9, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no lack. There is no poverty. There is no deficiency. There is no need. Impoverishment is another word. And as we look at this psalm, I think it would be good to look at fear. What does fear mean? It's a word that's not just that um, phobia, you know, where you're, you're panicking, you're You're trembling, but that word fear means reverence. Oh, reverence the Lord. Recognize the Lord. Give the Lord the glory that is due his name. So he makes that invitation. Reverence the Lord. Fear the Lord. You, his saints, because there is no need, no impoverishment, no lack, uh, no poverty for those, again, that reverence him. Well, it's good if you go to the verse before that. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Here's a question. Did you trust the Lord in your previous season yesterday? Can you look and see men in this area? In this challenge, I trusted the Lord. I was waiting on the Lord. Can you say that? How many could say today, you know what, right now, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm about to go into something that I have no idea. I, I sense it. I, 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 I'm aware of it, but, but I'm trusting the Lord. Estoy confiando en el Señor. Well, here's the good thing. If you trusted the Lord in the previous season, if you're trusting the Lord now, I can assure you, the days up ahead, we're going to have to trust the Lord like we've never trusted the Lord before. I, I look to my left, I look to my right, I, I look in the rearview mirror, and then I look up ahead, and I wonder, are we getting it? Are we hearing it? Are we Aware of what's coming. Verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, you're going to Kenya. You, you just did a, a, a young adults conference. You're, you're going to have a married couples conference. You're going to have another young adults conference here. You had a retreat. What, why all of that? To taste, to, to get the Lord's presence, to get the Lord's flavor, to get the Lord's working, to become familiar with the Lord. Why? Because blessed is the man, the woman that trusts in him. Because when you're trusting in him, verse 9, now you're going to reverence him. You're going to recognize him. You're going to respect him. Who's going to tell you? Who's going to tell me? about gender? Who's going to tell us about adultery? Who's going to tell us about fornication? Who's going to tell us about morality? Who's going to tell us about what's acceptable 
and what's not acceptable. The media, the courts, the authorities. Well, can you hear this morning say, this afternoon, this evening, I'll get it there eventually. Can you say with me, man, Lord, you're the one that's going to tell me right and wrong. And Lord, I am going to be a demonstration. I'm going to be a reflection that, yes, Lord, I can love the sinner, but I can say no and I can hate the sin. In a few moments, uh, I, I think we're going to have communion. Yeah, there it is. I, I didn't see it, you know. And, and as we're remembering our Lord, as we're remembering how he went to the cross, how he gave his life, why did Jesus do that? Sin. The deception, the lies, the white lies, the, the yellow lies, the lies. He, he, went to, he went to the cross. And so we go back here to verse 9. Fear, reverence the Lord. You saints, respect the Lord. Recognize the Lord. Why? Because when we do that, then there is no want to those that fear him. How is that? Something that you could really accept and believe. No want. Leave this verse, this area of scripture. Go to Psalm 23. Someone I love dearly this morning texted me Psalm 23. I didn't have time to get to it uh, in the radio program. But when you speak about want, what is this talking about here? The psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd. And then he makes the declaration, I shall not. What does it say there? Want. Really? You're not going to have any wants, any desires, any needs? Well, the immediate declarations that he makes is he makes me to lie down in green pastures. And that speaks about nourishment. Next, he says, he leads me besides the still waters. And that speaks about hydration. So one of the things is, again, I look to your eye for communication that we want to make clear. No once doesn't mean that you're not going to get hungry sometimes. You're not going to get thirsty sometimes. It doesn't mean that. Then what is it talking about? There's biological needs. But then there's spiritual needs. There is what you would call physical desires. And then there's spiritual desires that even more than desires, they are essential and they are a need. And so when the Bible gives us this evening that introduces us to that subject, not wanting and what do I really want... It's not saying that some of you may not desire to see your children married or your grandkids married. And some of you say, children, grandkids, I want to get married. You know, some of you might say that. Some of you may not. I, I think this is a healthy place. You know, it's funny. We live in a society that those that the Bible clearly says that marriage is not meant for them, they want to get married. And then those that the Bible says that marriage is supposed to be for you, well, they don't want to get married. But God is the one that designs. God is the one that says. God is not mistaken. 
And so there's, remember how we got into that? There's wants, there's desires. You, you want to see maybe your son and daughter graduate. You want to get a, you want to know from the Lord what is your profession? What, what, is, what has God created you for? Why have you come into this planet? Why have you reached the age that you are? I love this place. You know, so many of you are young, young adults, but then some of us, we're a little bit more veterans. More years. 70,000 miles. Why, did, why is the Lord allowing me to live 70 years? I thought I would never make it to 50. What is it, about three years ago, I, in getting my house in order, I, I started making some decisions even before that. Because, Lord, when I die, I want to be ready. I, I plan for this. I, I don't want to leave anybody hanging in a sense. So the point is, why has the Lord allowed you to arrive where you are? And here we go back to the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. That means he's the one that guides. He's, David here is showing that his relationship with God is likened unto the same way that David was a shepherd and he took care of the sheep. Well, God is his guide. God is his provider. God is his leader. And therefore, he doesn't have to have spiritual wants. He doesn't have to have anxiety. He doesn't have to be depressed. He doesn't have to have worries in a sense because the shepherd will take care of him. I look to your eyes. The shepherd, God, will take care of you. 1980, we had our first son and then... A few years after that, our daughter, and then sometime after that, we had our other son. You might know some of them. And if I confess to you, when my wife was pregnant, I was thinking, Lord, am I going to bring a child into this world? And it's rained a lot since then. But can you get married? Can you have children? Absolutely. Hallelujah. Yes. Because the Lord's on the throne. The Lord will take care of you. The Lord will take care of your children. The Lord will take care of your children's children. Otherwise, how in the world would a dad take his son to, to Africa, you know? And, and how would grandpa stand by and say, yeah, that's a great idea because the Lord is on the throne. Now, my dad is a great individual. I give you an illustration to that. Again, where are we? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. My dad, bless the Lord. He, he's a great dad. But I remember when I called him from the airport, I was so busy, and I called him, hey, dad, I just want to say goodbye to you. We're on our way to Israel. And they were bombing. The things were, like, really hot out there in the Middle East. And my dad said, you in the Cuban way. Yeah, dad, you know, the church is going. Y mi nieto, pero tú no vas a llevar a mis nietos a Israel, ¿verdad? What about my grandchildren? I said, Lord, yeah, they're, I said, dad, yeah, they're coming with. A la verdad que tú estás loco. Hung up the phone. <laughs> a pastor, a man that has taken steps of faith. I watched him. I learned from him. But sometimes we, we forget. Sometimes you forget. Sometimes I forget, I forget that the Lord is my shepherd. So I believe that the world is in the condition that it's in to some degree because we could go to church. We could praise the Lord. We could lift up our hands. Hallelujah, you know. But are we living a life that reflects the Lord is my shepherd? And spiritually speaking, 
I don't have any wants. Because I know that everything that concerns me, the Lord will bring it to pass. I know that. I have that confidence. I have that fear. I have that respect. Now, I'm not standing in front of you like I got this all figured out and I'm an expert. I need God's grace more today than ever. But at least they have the information. What do I want? What do you want? So you go back to Psalm 23 and you see the Lord is my shepherd. When God is your provider, when God is your sustainer, when God is your God, then you shall not want. And then in verse 2, he will feed you. He will make you lay down in green pastures. He will uh, quench your thirst. He, he will lead you besides the still waters. And, and verse 3, this is very important. Your soul will be restored. That word, refresh, repaired, recall, relieved. Your soul will be ministered to, will be taken care of. Family, tonight, again, I look to your eyes. How's your soul tonight? How's your soul your mind, your emotions, your willpower. Como estas? Pastor, I, 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 I can't sleep. Pastor, I, I can't rest. How do you respond when things challenge you? Not your boss, because you want to keep your job, I hope, I pray. But your wife, your husband, your son, your daughter, your mom, your dad. How do you respond? We exalt thee. Oh, yeah. No, One more time. Hallelujah. How's your soul? How, how is your soul? And David here says, you know why I have no wants? Because my shepherd, he restores my soul. It's not only spiritual therapy. He gives me the physical, mental therapy that I need as a believer, as a disciple. Then what happens when your soul is proper? Look at this. Now you could be directed. Now you could be led. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. And look at this. This is beautiful. And it's for his name's sake. It's not because we're good. It's not because you're good. It's not because you fast and you pray and you tithe. All those things are wonderful. They're good. They're healthy. They're good for you. They're good for me. They're good for us. But he guides you not because of that. He guides you because his name is on the line. If you don't make it, if I don't make it, no one will be able to point to God and say, you messed up. Fastidiaste la situación. No, nobody will be able to say that. Because the minute you say that, God will show you, I provided for you here. I provided you for here. I gave you this word. I gave you a young pastor. I gave you a worship leader. I gave you kids. I gave you a family. I, I provided for you. I spoke to you in a dream. I spoke to you through the word. And when you had nothing else, 104.7 was there. God's way radio. <laughs> So the question, we, we, we studied that not too long ago, right? It's not if God is talking. God is always talking. The question is, am I listening? Are you listening? And are we obeying? So I wanted you to see here as we get started, what do you want on this Wednesday? Someone would say a car, a house. Uh, no, 
there's something greater to want. If you look at the psalm, you see that the greatest want is met in the first two lines. Because the Lord is my shepherd, man, I shall not want. I have satisfaction. I have what I need. And so in verse 4, when death comes, I will not fear. Because he will be with me. I have what I really want. I have the rod and I have the staff. In other words, I have the discipline and I have the help and the protection that I need. They comfort me. And look at verse 5. Why does, what, what does a person really want? He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Lord, you can feed me even when the enemy is there to devour me. I got to look to your eyes as I say this. You know, the situation is tough. It's bad. But you could sit down. And grab a bite to eat. Now, not the way that some people eat. Some people eat. They just devour the food. But isn't it great when you eat with someone that they, you know, like the fork is like a plane. It's about to take off. And it descends into the meat. Then you take the knife. And then you take that piece of meat and you bring it to your mouth. And then you chew on it. It's chewable. My son, he spoils steak for me. He cooks steak so good. I go to a restaurant. I can't, I can't buy steak in a restaurant anymore. A good piece of meat. Those of you that are vegetarian, praise the Lord. A good piece of eggplant, right? I, I don't know. Whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever you enjoy. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What I really want. Safety, security, confidence, peace. And in front of the enemies, my shepherd, a good shepherd would do that to the sheep. He would enable the sheep to be so secure that they would be able to feed, they would be able to eat. Remember, David is comparing his relationship with God. God is my shepherd, I'm his sheep. So he anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. And then I love this. Surely goodness and mercy is going to follow you. It's going to follow me. Giller would say, he's going to run after you. Mercy saying, wait, wait, wait. Goodness, I'm going to get you. You know, goodness, mercy, all the days of your life. Where are you going to dwell? In the house of the Lord. And that's going to be forever. That word dwell means remain. Where are you going to remain? Where are you going to rest? What are you going to return to? Hey, this aging thing is not for the faint of heart. I never thought it would happen to me. You go in the store and like, para que yo vine aquí? Why, why did I come here? I know, that's, I know none of you know what I'm speaking about, but don't worry. Live long enough, you'll know very well. You know, remembering and and things that happen, and, and you see people you love just kind of weakened, and, and you see people that are strong, and, and this aging thing is not for the faint of heart. But when you have what you really want, even through that process, you can say, goodness and mercy, they're going to follow me. Oh, the cancer may come. The Alzheimer may come. The pain in the bones may come. The cardiac situation may come. But goodness and mercy are following me. 
goodness and mercy of God are trying to arise in the midst of that valley, in the midst of that situation, because you belong to God. You're bought with a price. You're not your own. You belong to God. And so what needs to happen in the believer is, are you going to do life your way, what you think, what you feel, or are you going to say, Lord, here's what I really want. I want to know you. I I want to see these promises here of, of not want. What do you mean by not want? No, I don't have to want. I'm not going to be spiritually in poverty. I'm not going to be spiritually lacking because where God guides, God does provide. Hey, time is short, but leave in this area of Scripture. Go with me real quickly to the New Testament to see an example of an individual tonight, Luke chapter 19, that we're just going to read this quickly here and see a man that, well, on Wednesday, Wednesday, he knew what he wanted. And hopefully as we look at this, not only are we going to see what Zacchaeus wanted, but we're going to see, I'm going to give you just three areas that you can be assured. It will confirm in your heart that what you want is really what you're getting. What you want is what you're going after. I think if I asked for a show of hands tonight and I would say, how many people here want God? I think every hand would go up and those that don't go up, we would pray with you at the end of the teaching, you know. Uh, How many want God? Oh, I want God. Yo yo quiero a Cristo. Yo, Yo quiero a Dios. Everybody's hands will go up. Well, join me there. Luke 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. He was rich. He sought to see who Jesus was. There it is. He wanted to see Jesus. He was searching to know and to see Jesus. And I like this. Look at that again, the way that is worded. He sought to see who Jesus was. Not just what he looked like. He just didn't want to see Jesus and get a religious epiphany, if you would, or inspiration. He wanted to know, okay, Jesus, what are you really all about? What are you like? And so tonight, I I stopped the reading a second there. I looked to your eye, and I know that what you really want is Jesus. Now, some people know it. Some people don't know it. And they're seeking this, and they're seeking that. But what you really want in your heart is Jesus And some people go their whole life and they never really seek Jesus because they're just too stubborn, too afraid to just humble themselves and let God guide you by your heart. He'll draw you. He'll bring you to himself. Hey, I stop a second. Think with you. Zacchaeus, a tax collector. He's a Jew. We're going to see. Son of Abraham. Jesus says it at the end. So he's a Jew, but he's working for Rome. The tax collectors at those times, they would put a surcharge. They would charge people above what Rome wanted. And anything they would charge above, the tax collector would keep. And then he would give to Rome what Rome was asking for. And Rome would put a tax on everybody. So Zacchaeus is a Jew. And in a sense, he is conniving. He is, he is, he is scheming his counterparts, his people. So they can't stand Zacchaeus. Hey, those of you on this side, did you catch that? He's not just a tax collector. What does it say there? Chief tax collector. This guy is collecting taxes, and he's got people collecting taxes for him. It's all going into his pocket. 
what I want you to see, successful job. He's got a government job, government retirement, and government stability. I mean, you work for Rome, you're in, but he's still wanting something. He's still needing something. What's the implication? The income will never satisfy. The status will never satisfy. The money will never satisfy. I mean, you've been watching the news. See, I got I to gotta, uh, travel very dangerous ground. You know, some of our political officials, you know, they just stand there and they just go blank. And then God is showing us a message. And then another political official, they also go blank. They got to tell them, vote this way, vote this way. And, and it's amazing what's happening. These are the leaders of the nation today. What am I trying to get you to see? No matter where you get, unless you find Jesus, you're going to go blank. Here's Zacchaeus, tax collector, chief tax collector. Did you see verse 2, what it says there? And he was what? Can you say that out loud? Rich. Rich. Rico. He's got the Bentley donkey. <laughs> he's got the Bucati or Ducati, you know, camel. This guy's got it. Oh, he's rich. But verse 3, he finally gets to that place in life that he knows what he wants. And he wants to see who Jesus is. But notice that when you want to see Jesus, there's always going to be impediments. There's always going to be roadblocks. But he could not because of the crowd. So I stopped, looked through your eyes. It's funny how people around you get in the way of you seeing who Jesus really is. The people maybe bring you to religiosity. They bring you to religion. They bring you to feelings, emotions, you know, signs and wonders. But to see who Jesus really is, you got to get beyond the crowd. You got to get beyond the people. Hey, whoever you are here tonight, you must see Jesus personally. Uno a uno. Mano a mano. Jesus wants you to see him. I got a lovely wife, a very special wife. If I only knew Jesus through my wife right now, I would be in big trouble. You know Jesus because of your wife, because of your mom, because of your pastor, or do you know Jesus because you want to see who Jesus is? Hey, go back here. That's the key is he sought to see who Jesus was. He could not because of the crowd. And then also notice there's another roadblock he has. And he was what? Short of stature. Now that one, you know, you can't do nothing about that. You know, sometimes you have external roadblocks. Sometimes you have internal roadblocks. But the scripture here shows you that when you want Jesus, nothing will stop you. Because God will help you to come to know Jesus. He was short, so he ran ahead. He climbed up into a sycamore tree. And I love this. For what? To see him. Because he was going to pass that way. It's implied. I stop. I think with you. He done some homework. He knew the road that Jesus was going to travel. You know, I-95. You know, Palmetto 826. He found out that Jesus was coming on 826, so he didn't go to I-995, right? You get the application. You got to, to, to find out Jesus, you got to do some homework. You got to do some reading. Go to church. Listen. Take some notes. Think about it. Ask God to give you information and revelation. Here somehow, some way, Zacchaeus knew where Jesus was going to pass through, and he climbs up a sycamore tree. And notice that he does two things that rich people don't do. What does it say there? He ran. Rich people pay people to run for them. They don't have to run. 
And rich people do not climb a tree in public. They're elevated. Or something like that. But at this point, Zacchaeus wants to see who Jesus is. So purposely, he is so focused. He is so determined. He's so decided that he says, the crowds are not going to get in my way. My height is not going to get in my way. I got to run and beat. I'm going to run. I got to climb a tree. I'm going to do what it needs to happen, but I'm going to see who Jesus is. And verse 5, he's so more than Jesus, right? He gets to see who Jesus is like because when Jesus comes to that place, he looks up and he saw him and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down for today I must stay. I love this. Tu casa es mi casa. I got to stay at your house, Zacchaeus. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Who's Jesus? Someone that knows not only when you're looking for him, but he knows when you need to have him come to your house. He knows that. It's an interesting thing. It doesn't tell us that Zacchaeus says, hey, Jesus, come to my house. Jesus knew, no, Zacchaeus, make haste, get ready. I must go to your house today. So you see what your translation says, right? He went to Costco, he got an order, he, he got everything. No, he, he got everything prepared. He, he, he knew he wanted to receive Jesus. Verse 6, so he made haste and he came down and he received them joyfully. But when he saw, when they saw it, they all complained. They were saying about Jesus, he's gone to be the guest with a man who is a sinner. I stop a second and I look to your eyes. Funny how relationship seeks you. Religion criticizes you. And so here the religious, they're criticizing Jesus because he's going to go to someone that needs Jesus. Verse 8. There's a little... Behind the scenes, between the complaint and the compliment, between the criticism and the conversion, there, there's a little bit of space. Because in verse 8, it tells us, then Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. If I'd taken anything from anyone by false accusation... I restore fourfold. I'm willing to give four shekels to the one that I've taken. And then Jesus said to him, today, today salvation has come to this house. And then Jesus makes a declaration to the critical, to the, the criticism, to the religious Jews. He says, listen, he also is a son of Abraham. And you need to know what Jesus is like. The Son of Man, what is he about? He comes to seek and to save that which was lost. You want to write down Matthew chapter 9, verse 12 and 13, because of time I won't go there, but it says that he came to heal the sick. I stop a second, and there's some things I want to point out to you. First of all, notice in verse 3 how Zacchaeus reached out. To Jesus. He reached out. You go a little bit further and you go to verse 5, actually verse 4, and notice that in his reaching out, he's running, he's climbing a tree. And so that word reach out, it means to stretch, it means to extend 
I got to look through eyes as I say this. It means to stretch. It means to extend, but it means to touch. To touch. That connection is going to be made. You're going to realize, okay, Jesus, this is you. I can hear you now. I can sense you now. Jesus, I, I sense your, your love, your acceptance. I sense the conviction. I sense the surrender. I sense that I need to change. Zacchaeus reached out to Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Do you know anybody that's reached out to Jesus? I mean, I could say that because I think he's on a plane, so I don't think he's watching right now. But the pastor that you have, the pastor that we have, sometimes he's just reading. And you notice how his voice just kind of like chokes up a little bit. And there's emotion there. There's, there's a connection there that he's not just a professional giving you the word, but he's walking with us. He's reached out. He stretched out. He has touched the Savior. You know how you know that? Because you realize that the Savior has touched you. Mother's Day is great. Father's Day is beautiful. Happy birthday is wonderful. But do you ever stop and you think, Jesus, it was that day, it was that day that you touched my heart. It was that day that you opened my eyes. It was that day that you received me. Zacchaeus, he stretched, he reached out. And that's one of the ways you know what you want. Because what you want, you're going to reach out for. Every so often, this is a terrible illustration. I hate it. We hear, oh, 40 billion, a ticket at 40. You win the lotto, you win 40. And I think they do this every so often on purpose just to get more people playing that. You know, every time the lotto will be announced, my wife, you know, we will be sitting there. And she would say, call a number. So we would go, three, four, five. And we would never get the number. <laughs> and then my wife would say, you see, you just saved the dollar. You want it. <laughs> and every time that it goes out, you'll reach out. You'll go buy 10. you buy 20. One day you're going to meet the pastor there and you're going to be embarrassed. <laughs> what are you reaching out for? Zacchaeus, he was reaching out to Jesus. There's something else that happens when you want something, and that is that you respond. Notice how Zacchaeus responded. Verse 5, Jesus said, hey, make haste, come down, today I must stay at your house. I love verse 6, don't you love it? So he made haste. I stopped, look through your eyes, you see that? Zacchaeus in Spanish, it would be like this, apurate, apurate. And he doesn't come down, okay, Jesús viene a mi casa hoy, you know. Apúrate, apúrate. Another way to say that in Spanish is ponte los patines, you know. The English translation to that is put your skates on, get with it, get serious, get real, get your Bible, get your highlights, mark your Bible. You have a weapon. Could you imagine a police officer going on a call, he needs a weapon, he says, anybody has a gun, anybody has a weapon, you know. You think they get to a call and they say, hey, we have weapons today. Anybody that needs a weapon, lift up your hand. We're going to give you a weapon. <laughs> they have their own. They practice. They work with it. It's their weapon. Do you have your weapon? Zacchaeus not only reached out, he responded. There's another way you respond. You analyze. You observe. You evaluate. Go with me quickly. Look at verse 7. You're going to see this. 
it tells us when they saw it, they all complained. They said, he's gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. So religion is seeing, and they're complaining. But between verse 7 and 8, Zacchaeus is also seeing. And when you reach out and you respond, something happens that you repent. That's the third I'll learn a word quickly here tonight. Look at what it says here. Then Zacchaeus stood. He didn't say this sitting down. Se puso en pie. He, he stood up. And then he made a declaration out loud. He didn't care who's listening. He didn't care who's thinking. It doesn't matter now. He has seen what he needed to see. And then he says, look, Lord. In other words, the implication is, Lord, I've been looking at you. Now I want you to look into my heart, to look into my life, because I'm giving half of my goods to the poor right here, right now. I stop a second. To someone that money is all that important, you got to see there's been a conversion here in Zacchaeus' life. I believe uh, when I get to heaven, I can't wait to speak to Zacchaeus. And I'm sure that while Jesus is there, the, it's, Zacchaeus is watching Jesus. And the way that G Zacchaeus is treating his other tax collector friends, the way that Jesus is treating the people there, it, Zacchaeus is saying, this guy is for real. This guy loves for real. This guy cares for real. This guy is concerned for real. This guy, esto es real. It's funny because the more you see reality, hopefully the counterfeit in us, hopefully it's emerging and it's being demonstrated. There's someone here, I won't mention their name. Their baby was sick. This is back in the old 67 Avenue property. They were supposed to lead worship. They came that night to lead worship, and after they led worship, I found out that they went to the hospital. And I, I thought, man, I wish I would have known. I would have said, don't go to the hospital. Be with your baby. It's real. For them, it was real. They had... They had a ministry. They had a job to do. The worship team, they don't come five minutes later. They come here early. They come here Saturdays. You're sleeping, watching cartoons. <laughs> this is joking. That's what I did this again. <laughs> They're here practicing. It's real for them. Is Christianity real for you? I could say this because if you get upset at me, I'm the grandpa. But, you know, your pastor maybe will never tell you this. But do you always get to church late? I watch. There's people that they're like the... 10 minutes after the service start, people. Then there's people that they're like the 40 minutes after the service start, people. Then, you know, now I got to be careful because I got here late today. I was digging and teaching and, and you know, and, and sometimes you see the pastor come in, but he's studying. He's praying. He wants to get to the last minute. Lord, anything you want me to change? When we go on a cruise, do we get there 40 minutes late to the cruise? Ah, the boat left you. Bye-bye. <laughs> So we get to the cruise early. I hope you don't get to work 40, 50 minutes. I hope you don't. You get to work early. I'm not down on you. Don't get upset at me. I love you. If you have a malady, if you're sick, uh, it's okay, okay? But just try to watch Zacchaeus, how with Zacchaeus, it was real. And so there was a real repentance. There's a conversion. Lord, first of all, money doesn't mean that much to me anymore. Because you're what I want. And if money gets in the way, I got to let it go. If the phone gets in the way, I got to let it go. Whatever gets in the way, Lord, I'm letting it go because, Lord, I want you. I want to know what it's like to say the Lord is my shepherd. 
And no matter what life throws my way, I shall not want. Why? Because I got you. Or better said, Lord, you got me. Lord, you got this. Now that you might shake a little bit, that you might cry, that you might have some questions that you don't understand, that you, that you yeah, you're, you're human. But you know what surfaces? You know what, what gains, what wins? The fact that the Lord is your shepherd. And so I hope you see that with Zacchaeus. I hope you see him reaching out. Verse 3, he sought to see Jesus. I hope that you see him responding. That's beautiful. It tells us he made haste. He came down. I love this. To receive him. Don't you love that? Joyfully. It wasn't the kind of thing, oh, really, my house? Have you seen how my house is? Do you know what kind of, kind of, really? I mean, you can't give me like a week's notice, really, you know? Joyfully. Lord, you invited me? You know, the pastor sometimes, they're going to ask you, hey, can you come to the hospital with me? They're not going to give you notice. What's the notice? Can you come? Are you ready to throw down? That was a term we used to use, right? Are you ready to, you know? And it's wonderful because God's doing a work in this church. Don't miss out on it. Que no se te pierda. There's Zacchaeus to the right. There's Zacchaeus to the left. They're putting everything on the line. Lord, half of what I have is for the poor. And contrition and restoration. Lord, and if I take in anything from somebody, I'm not just going to give it back. I'm going to give them back four times what I took. Restoration. Repentance. And then what does Zacchaeus hear? Today. Today, salvation. What does salvation mean? You went from being blind to having sight. You went from being lost to now being found. You went from being dead to God to now being alive. Salvation has come to this house. If you're here today and you've never been saved, you've never experienced what it's like for Jesus to to wash your heart, to wash your eyes, to bring you close for you to see things that maybe you've never observed before. I wish I had time to speak to every one of you, and I'm sure if we talk, Jesus has been in your life along the way, maybe elementary, maybe middle school, maybe high school, maybe college. Jesus has been there guiding you, leading you. But you've never made that step where you said, Lord, everything I have, Everything I am, everything I'm not, Lord, today, it's about you. Today and from this day on, Lord, Jesus, it's about you. Tonight you could do that. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. As we're having communion tonight, we're supposed to remember. We're supposed to remember Jesus, how he died for you, how he gave his life for you, how he paid the price for you. And as you hold the elements in your hand, as you hold the bread, as you hold the cup with the juice from the fruit of the vine, you know, as, as you take communion tonight, ask the Lord to touch you. Ask the Lord to do that, that work in you that you will be able to say like Zacchaeus, Lord, look, Lord, look. I'm responding to you. Shall we pray? Father, it's in the name of Jesus that right now we, we do ask you to help us evaluate, to help us to think, to help us to, 
see what we really want? What are we chasing, Lord? What are we going after? What's our priorities, Lord? What has our heart? What has our attention? Lord, what are we really devoted to? And tonight, Lord, we pray that you do a work in, in my heart. You do a work in my wife and my family's life, Lord. That, that I could be that grandpa that hopefully my grandkids, Lord, they would see it. They, they would see what it's like to say, look, Lord, what I really want is you. Father, some of us in this place, I know we need to make some changes. We, we need to make some corrections. We are saying we love you, Jesus, but we want other things. God, bring that harmony. Bring that synchronization that when we say, Lord, I want you, my actions reflect that. Yes, Lord, I do want you. So, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll read it for you. We read it quite often. Paul says, what I received from the Lord... That's what I'm sharing with you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night which he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread. And he said to his disciples, take and eat this. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper... And he said, this cup is the new covenant, it's the new contract, it's the new agreement in my blood. Do this, and as often as you drink this cup, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. So we're also proclaiming that Jesus is coming back. Hey, in a few moments, the pastors, they're going to be handing out the elders, the, the deacons, they're going to be handing out the communion elements to you. And we're going to be worshiping. And whenever you're ready, between you and the Lord, eat the bread and drink the juice and think about the Lord. Think about Jesus. How he loved you. He loved me so much. He went to the cross and there's nothing that he held back. He gave it all so that you can have all that God wants to give you. Since we're having the cup and as we're eating the bread, it's a good time as we think to say, Jesus, right now, right here, I want to give you my all. Father, again, we pray that you would bless this time. Again, we pray, Lord, that as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we would examine ourselves. And if there's any doubt, Lord, if, if anyone here is not a believer, that right now they would say, Jesus, I repent of my sins and I accept you as Savior. And Lord, I want you to be my Savior, my Lord. I pray that anyone here would do that so when they drink of communion, it, it would be a special ministry unto everyone that's here tonight. 
Lord, make yourself known at this moment, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.